society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. This is where the law stops. And I start. Stallone is a cop called Cobra. The strong arm of the law. Good. Okay. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, it feels good to say that. It feels good to say it again. Thank you, President Donald Trump, for bringing these words back into our mouth like sweet kisses from an uncle who's now an angel in heaven. <laughs> Pre- previous years, we've had, you know, a winter solstice episode, a happy holidays episode, a now deleted Kwanzaa episode. <laughs> but this year, uh, for our Christmas episode, you're going you're gonna to run downstairs. Christmas morn, open up, open up your podcast box. What's going to be in there? It's the movie Cobra, starring Sylvester Stallone, directed by George P. Cosmatos, 1986's masterpiece, Cobra, a Golan Globus action movie classic. I do want to put in that we had started working on a Christmas special for this year, uh, but the uh, UK tour and my subsequent uh, complete moral and psychological bankruptcy after I can't return from that just prevented me from being willing to put in the 25 plus hours. It usually takes me to edit one of those bad boys. Uh, and so if you complain about there being a lack of a Christmas special this uh, year, uh, you are literally anti-worker uh, and you are canceled. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember in the Charlie Brown Christmas special when all those children beat Charlie Brown for celebrating Hanukkah? <laughs> But the point was that all holidays in December are Christmas. <laughs> Maybe you should think about that while you're listening to this instead of our admittedly pretty great idea for a holiday special. You'll hear it next year. Yeah, you, no, we'll do it next year. I don't, I don't, no, no spoilers on that. But you know, you're not going anywhere, listener. Yeah. You're it, fused. You're fused to that Aaron office chair that you found in a dumpster. You're already immune to MRSA from sitting on it. Well, you're going to hear it next year. Don't move. You won't <laughs> trust me. Well, I mean, if, if this... Now they're uh, going to move just to spite you, Felix. If this, Maybe I was trying to motivate them. If uh, if this Christmas present isn't good enough for you, then just wait about a month. And if you are in Iowa City, Saturday, February 1st, there's something going on around that time of year next year in Iowa as well that we'll be there for. But specifically, the Saturday, February 1st, Iowa City at the Engel, Engelt, Engelbert, Engelbert Humperdinck Civic Center. No, this is the Englert Civic Center. Saturday, February 1st, Iowa City. We will be performing there. Then Sunday, February 9th, if you are in New Hampshire, we will be in the city of Derry at the Tupelo Music Hall. So those are... Those Special are, guest, Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> those are uh, two treats to look forward to in the new year. We have a very busy schedule in the new year, obviously gearing up for the election. Big things The doings are transpiring. Big things are doing. But... Right do. now, we're here right now. It's Christmas morning, and I'd like to talk to you about one of our favorite films. It's a movie that's been referenced, I think, you know, a fair amount on the show. We, we certainly talked about it before, and it definitely slides right into, like, the Chapo sort of fascist 80s action movie canon. And, and I would say that this is sort of the 
platonic ideal of a reactionary 80s action movie written by someone with so like a dog IQ. Yes. Yeah. This is And by that I mean Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Oscar nominated screenwriter. Did an Oscar winning screenwriter? He did not win. Okay, he was he did defeated not win. by okay. Patty Shayevsky. No uh, way, yeah, dude. Close what? Call on that one. Uh, <laughs> Could not no. see that coming. Oscar nominated screenwriter uh, also wrote the screenwrite play for this film based on a novel, which is in my mind even funnier. The right. idea that this is that the movie with the axe gang running around was somehow a piece of literature. Well, for literature fans, you will remember Richard Yates' final novel, Cobra. <laughs> uh, but no, for real, the novel that is based on is called Fair, Pl- Fair Game, uh, and it's really just about a cop. It's about how Scooter Libby outed <laughs> Valerie playing Wilson. Uh, about the cop trying to keep a woman who saw a crime from getting killed. That's the, entire, like, that's the only thing in it that's in this. The cop's name, spoiler alert, not Marion Cabretti. But they did remake it again. Under its real name, if anyone has ever seen the Billy Baldwin, Cindy Crawford movie, Fair Game, based on the same book as Cobra. Well, this one uh, is uh, from 1986, like I said, directed by George P. Cosmatos, uh, father of uh, Panos. If you're familiar with the films uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow and last year's Chapo Pick O the Year, The Incredible Mandy. So we got we got there's a strong lineage involved in producing this movie. You got the Cos- Cosmatos. And then you've got Stallone and his brother Frank. Sadly, not sadly not involved in the, in the movie in any way. Spiritually, I think. Spiritually, if you're well, if you like me, or if you follow Frank Stallone on Instagram or social media, you will realize that yeah, spiritually, intellectually, and politically, this bears you know, this bears the mark of Frank. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got Frank all over it. So, like I said, like if you want, you know, if you want to understand the sort of trace the DNA of america's you know current slide into fascism you really have to look at the golan globus uh, movie production house of the 1980s and uh this film in particular for um i would say you know more art- artfully but also like inexplicably in a way that this is what the movie gets to is that fascism essentially uh nothing about it makes sense no one's uh, reasons for doing anything have to be realistic or even sane, or like uh, even having any internal logic, and in fact, it's better that it doesn't. And like that, like that is that is the pull, that is the draw here. Pure action for its own sake. Absolutely, the so, action is the juice. The action is the juice. So this is Cobra. Uh, I'll just say the movie begins with um, a voiceover by Sylvester Stallone, who says, "In America, there's a burglary every eleven seconds." A violent crime every 25 seconds, a murder every 24 minutes, and 250 rapes a day. And then it, then it just like, you know, it just gears up and he's like, time to go to work. <laughs> time to make the donuts. <laughs> time to make the donuts. Oh, and, and while he's saying that, the camera is panning over his pearl handled uh, uh, 40 black mat 45 caliber pistol. And while uh, eventually it turns so that the barrel is pointing directly. At the camera. At you, the viewer. Yeah. No, no, yeah, exactly. Like, he is the voice of law enforcement in this country, but the very first thing the movie shows you, <laughs> yeah. the viewer, is a bullet being fired directly at your face. Yes. What if they're it's firing at a criminal who's taking you hostage while in the theater? <laughs> what if the criminal's right behind you yeah, right now? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What if 
you know, this is sort of like a reverse um, Foucaultism where everyone is their own criminal as Ooh. opposed to in their own prison. Do you think when Stallone foresaw like like a like a rough cut of this movie in that opening scene, he reacted similar to like the Edison train movie when the gun gets fired? <laughs> well, he probably, um, after seeing that and realizing he was not shot, was like, looks like I caught the bullet. I'm faster than I remember. And uh, yeah, like in the opening credit sequence, uh, you know, you're it's sort of intercut between a, uh, a guy on a motorcycle uh, pulling into the parking lot of a, uh, a lovely grocery store in uh, Southern California, but also intercut between um, very scary shots of sort of a group of people standing around, like, you know, in an abandoned factory around sort of trash can fires, um, clanking axes together. Yep. Just a couple of shiny stainless steel axes everyone's got, match and pair. In unison, clanging them over clank, the head. Clank, 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 And clank. it really is a cross-section of society because you have people dressed like that 80s punks that were in all those movies with leather jackets and, and stuff. Studs and shit. But yeah. also just guys in suits, dudes who look like accountants and dentists and stuff, just banging the damn axes together. So, uh, you know, in the world of this film, uh, there exists a sort of pseudo-satanic, like nihilistic street gang that, that again, those crimes does murders purely for the sake of killing people. There's no money involved in it yeah. at all. And as we, as we later find out, the most interesting fa- facet of this gang is that they all have day jobs. Yes. And they just congregate at night to sort of inaugurate what they call a new world that they will, that they will midwife through axe murders. Yes. They're going to just randomly <laughs> by, murder people by until doing... everyone just decides... You know what? We were really going to stick on this whole no murdering people thing. But if you guys keep insisting, fine. Murder is fine. Well, there is, like we alluded to, like the accountants, the guys in suits in the Axe Gang, and that is represents the ideological split in the Axe Gang. The PMC has unfortunately infiltrated Axe Gang and co-opted their radical language. Uh, but for the most part, it is about direct action. It's about raising awareness of how you can just murder someone with an axe. <laughs> and hopefully, like, when, you know... This is a loaded term in organizing, I, I know, but like regular people see that you can just murder whoever with an axe. They themselves will do it, and yeah. then we'll have revolution. They kind of do do a murderous version of a brake-like clinic in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, uh, oh, oh, great! This guy got elected. This guy got elected to the to the Axe Gang National. Just great. <laughs> no, yeah, like uh, so, like yeah. There's a lot of like um, so. There's like there's 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 the Axe Gang members that are into doing direct action. One of them, in specifically, who's, yeah. who's the lead? Um, he's sort of like the gritty of the Axe Gang. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's sort of like the 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 this, the suit wearing day job having axe gang members that are just they're they're sort of wreckers. Yeah, yeah. And they come in and they're at the axe gang meetings and they're like, um, like just a reminder for folks, could you please clink your axes together instead of clapping during the axe meetings? Well, it's like everyone knows with the guys in suits who are coming into axe gang meetings, like they're gonna end up just supporting like an outlaw biker gang, something more in line with their PMC goals. Yeah, and not the true revolutionary nature. Of yeah. It's like random oh, what? axe murders. You're going to show the Hell's Angels to sell meth. What was it about the axe murderers? Yeah, you know. It's, it's now you're just trying to make money. It's pathetic. Someone, someone, someone needs to buy the axes though. And yeah. you know, like I know, I know we're going. You're, you're probably going into this new year. You're probably feeling, you know, pretty, pretty nihilistic yourself about you know the prospects. Yeah, of clink some axes. Electoralism and and democratic socialism. You know, but I just want to say, like, you, everyone has to start somewhere with direct action. Step one. Find a friend in your community. 
Step two, <laughs> buy some access. Step three, find a sewer to hang out in. Yeah, find a sewer. So then then you're, you've got housing security. You're yeah. living in a sewer. You've got access. That's self-defense. You have a then, barrel that's then, on fire. Then, <laughs> you have heating. You have heating yeah. in a kitchen. Yes. And then, crucially, in the opening scene, go to the supermarket. Then you've got to have food independence as well. Yeah. Then you prepare for an axe revolution. And that's easy. That's easy. Stop worrying about politics. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. You're out there like a fucking chump phone baking for Sanders. I'm going to the grocery store and shooting fruit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, so like this, this is there's a lot there's a lot going on in this movie. But like the lessons I take it from it are about you know praxis and direct action for sure. This is a movie about that one. It's about praxis. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, the first scene, of course, is um, a, a comrade, um, a, you know, liberating a, a, a supermarket and turning it into a people's food bank by <laughs> by shooting up a like pile of cantaloupes with a action shotgun. That was, it. That, was <laughs> it. that was it. Guy goes in, stumbles around inside a, a, a Christmas theme because it is a Christmas movie. Yes. yes Everybody yes. tells you Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Come back with Cobra as a Christmas movie and you'll own them forever. and They'll have to kill themselves. Uh, and so he just pulls out from his coat a shotgun and just starts going to town on the produce and everyone's screaming and running, but that's it. He doesn't shoot anyone. He's just shooting fruit. Uh, and then they do a cordon around the place. The cops are there. And then once he's got a hostage situation, he does kill a guy. Uh, he, he says you can run away and the guy starts running down the uh, aisle. And of course he, he shoots him in the back. Yeah. He just, he blows him away with a shotgun. Uh, I would I would like to note, um, you know, for for all my, all my fellow film buffs out there, the uh, the um, the comrade who liberates the grocery store in the beginning of the movie is played by the same actor who you might remember as Kenny Powers, Mexican baseball coach from season two of Eastbound and Down. Yes, or perhaps the guy who refuses to give Jake Nightcrawler Gyllenhaal a job at the beginning of the film Nightcrawler. Was he also Clint Eastwood's uh, boss in The Rookie? Yes, I think, I think he, he was. was. Yeah. He's got an Edward James almost thing going on in that they look very similar. And they both have a lot of uh pock marks. He is like Edward James almost. Marco Rodriguez. He is Edward James almost. So yeah, it immediately becomes a hostage situation and he's like well, I'm going to create a new world. I'm going to create a new world from the ashes of these this fucking cereal. <laughs> so, okay, so the cops uh, the cops pull up, and then immediately you see, in any 80s action movie, must have at least one of these characters. The cuck police chief. Uh-huh. The, he's a guy with glasses. In this case, he's played by the great Andrew Robinson, son of the even greater Edward... Actually, I would say equally great Edward G. Robinson from Double Indemnity. Andrew Robinson, you may remember, as the Scorpio killer from Dirty Harry. Uh-huh. Um, as the father from Hellraiser. Oh, yes. And probably most special to me as um, Cardassian secret agent Elam Garrick from Deep Space Nine. Uh, so he pulls up and he's just like, what do we do? We should try talking we to should, him. Yeah, we, we, I, need I, to, we need to get as many therapists as possible on the scene. And they're like, what do you turn this? Can we turn this hostage crisis into a Montessori school? <laughs> what, they're like, uh, what, are, what are you doing? And he's just like, uh, we need to have... Con- we need to maintain control of the situation. And like the other tougher cop is like, what do you mean control? We have no control. We've, yeah, we've let the criminals run wild. And this is, this is the result. And right as they say that, a sort of, uh, 
I don't know, uh, like gre- the the car from the like the John Travolta drives in the movie Grease just yeah. I think roars into the parking lot like a sort of like a souped up you know 1930s sort of like a muscle car speedster. Yeah, it's a rockabilly car. It's a it is the ideal rockabilly. Yeah, car. yeah. It's the only thing that's missing is like the flame paint job on the side. That um, is true. Kind of kind of fucked up. They didn't so have that. So this totally out of place. It's a 1950 Mercury Monterey Coupe. Just look that yeah, up. Yeah, it's one of those cars that weighs approximately twenty five thousand pounds. <laughs> you would drive you would drive it to an elevated hill, and uh, you know you would say something about how you you know you hope that uh, McCarthy can get all those Jews out of the State Department. You'd make out with your girlfriend, and within a week, you would probably be murdered by a train and immortalized in song. <laughs> so, uh, yes, the, the, this this rockabilly rockabilly tank roars into the parking lot, screeches to a halt, pulls up, camera focuses right in on the vanity license plate, which reads, Oh, oh, some 50. <laughs> That's a W S O M 50. The thing he is and his IQ. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the kind of thing that a, a fully adult human man yeah. would put on their license plate. This uh, so, is a movie about a baby who is a cop. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like they, they don't say it in the movie, but it's sort of implied that there was a big style uh, wish that happened. I went to be a cop like a 12 year old kid did and, and they woke up in Stallone's body and he's like, oh, I'm going to get a cool old car and I'm going to have it say awesome 50 and I'm going to get a gun with pearl handles and a cobra on it. And I'm going to wear sunglasses all the time. I'm going to wear uh, cool black gloves I'm going to put my gun right next to my dick at so, all times. And yes. possibly the most puzzling thing, I'm going to have a matchstick in my mouth, yes. like a cigarette at all times. Out of the rockabilly tank steps Marion Cobra Cabretti. Marion Cobra Cabretti. The LAPD's first, last, and only line of defense against crime. In fact, he's the only cop in the LAPD who fights criminals at all. No, right? the rest of them at are all. just asking people how their day is, offering them welfare um, checks. And mm-hmm. as Matt has already described, it, it 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 bears emphasizing his Stallone's look in this movie. Unbelievable! He steps out of the car. He's, he's wearing gigantic mirrored sunglasses, a full black duster, um, like tight tight jeans, super tight jeans, super that, tight that jeans. Eighties blue, that eighties blue that's almost white. Yeah, um, a matchstick, sort of like sticking out of the corner of his mouth, like a silk black. A button-up shirt that's like all puffy, like a pirate shirt. Uh huh. Um, very important for the movie. Leather gloves. Leather gloves. Mm-hmm. At no point in this movie, which is about ninety minutes, it's a tight ninety. At no point in any scene in this movie, and I looked, I checked for it. Does Stallone ever take off his leather gloves? Yep. And best of all, as we said, his signature forty-five handgun, fucking pearl handle grip, stuck. And you know, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you listeners, if you guys are gun guys or whatever. But I've watched enough movies to know a forty-five is a beast of a handgun. It's a large fucking gun. Yeah. It, it is very heavy. No holster. No holsters are for fucking pussy. No holster. Just straight in the front of his pants. <laughs> just right next to his dick. Right on top of his hog. Right on top of his hog. Like a <laughs> this sa- is- safety off. Yep. Gun cocked. One in the pipe. Yep, this just is, line. Yeah. Just just. Just pulsing yeah. with, with heat next to his next to his member. Well, this is this shows how little exposure to culture you guys actually have. This is known as an Italian circumcision. 
when over the course of the year, the hot barrel of your gun melts your foreskin off. So uh, he pulls up. It's the rockabilly cop. He's got his dick. And it's sort of like he looks like he stepped out of the William Friedkin Al Pacino movie cruising. Yeah. And yes. like and like every item, like every single one of his like uh, sort of sartorial affectations is some sort of code. Yes. It can be read as like, oh, if you. You have a revolver with a pearl handle and a cobra on it. It means you're buying. Yeah. And if uh, you have an automatic with a, <laughs> a regular rubber grip, it means you're selling. Yeah. If the uh, if the if the uh, matchstick is in your left side of your mouth, that means that you like to get pissed on. And if it's in the other side of your mouth, it means just you still like to get pissed <laughs> on. But you're into Uncle Play. <laughs> yeah, well, we will get we'll to, get into that. We'll, we'll get. We'll get to, I mean, there's there's so many veins of chapo interests coursing through this movie um it's well marble um, um being gay <laughs> <laughs> shooting guns being cool <laughs> being cool vibing um, with your uncle yeah and the, and then and then uncle magic there's so much uncle magic in this movie that, but we will get to it and also the main character um sort of reminds me of i don't know no he doesn't <laughs> one of one of the oh, one, one of our well, yeah, yeah, he's a person like that wall. person um, that, yeah. uh, that person's actually significantly better adjusted <laughs> So Marion Cobacrobretti goes into uh, the supermarket to um, protect the private property from it being um, turned into a people's food dispensary <laughs> by um, by, a, by by the comrade <laughs> by the by by the comrade who's fighting for a new world order, um, and he's like, uh, you know, he, he gets on the, uh, the 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 supermarket PA system, and he's like. Uh, what does he say? He's like, hey, Poke, I'm a cop here to yeah. kill you. <laughs> yeah, 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 like, don't do yeah. anything crazy stand now. <laughs> yeah. You stand by and let yourself die to me. No, but the cool the coolest scene in it is like while he's like sort of like scoping out, like doing like doing like stealth techniques, he just cracks a tall boy and just takes a sip of a totally warm beer. Yep. Dude's rock. Yeah, he just, just takes a sip out of a tall boy. And at this point, like the um the comrade um uh has has some sort of like homemade bomb and he's got like a you know a whole bunch of like women and children cowering in the corner and he's like i'll kill a man i'll, I'll fucking blow, do him in i'll blow this whole place up yeah i'll blow this whole I'll blah blah you know yeah and then like you know out, out of the meat locker like stallone comes in uh it should be noted that they've already cut the power to this place so it's completely dark and he's still wearing sunglasses yeah. yes Trying to, try, yeah. trying to like you know do uh, negotiate a hostage situation where you may have to shoot someone with like a gun pointed at someone's head. You know, classic movie thing. Definitely don't want to take your sunglasses off. For Not that. at all, because then you wouldn't look cool, and that's that's your main. Advantage. So, uh, so um, the comrade says the the, the anti fog guy says he's like, don't go any closer, man. He's like, I'll blow this whole place up. And Stallone goes, go ahead, auto shop here. Boom. That's oh. that's that's a great one-liner. Cool, dry wit. And then he's like, he's like, get the TV cameras in here. This is direct action. I need to bring my message to the people. And Stallone goes, can't do that. I don't deal with psychos. I put them away. And the guy's like, I'm not a psycho. I'm a fucking hunter, man. I'm here. I'm here for fucking the DSA <laughs> for the DSA Build Coalition. <laughs> and then he's like, you're a disease, and I'm the cure. And then at that point, he just sort of takes a pocket knife out, throws it at his chest, and then shoots him out. This is that. infuriating to me. So they show him while he's talking to this guy. He puts his gun back in his belt, and then he sneaks his uh, buck knife out of his pocket. And then behind his back, he unfolds it. And then he throws it at the guy and stabs him in the chest. And then he pulls his gun out and shoots him. 
how much could he have been fucking practicing throwing a goddamn knife like at hip level at another guy for that to be a more like a higher percentage play than just shooting him? It required the same amount of action. It was infuriating. Matt, I think we can take as read from this movie that most of the time that Stallone is not on the streets, he's practicing knife throwing. Okay. <laughs> I would yeah. just love it. It's just like he he throws the knife and it just bounces off his chest, <laughs> like when it, it went it it landed the wrong way. Yeah, but like while he was distracted by that, he could shoot him. Yeah, well, just shoot him to begin with, and of course, five shots, bang, 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 and then immediately puts the gun back right on top of his dick. That yeah, thing yeah. is just a smoldering nub. He's just got a little <laughs> a little burn tissue nub where his dick should be by now. Well, when you have a gun that big in your crotch all the time, you don't really need a dick. It's true. Like, it does thing. all the work. So, so from there, like, you know, he saves the day, goes out into the parking lot. Another classic 80s action movie moment. He's thronged by the media who's like, ah, uh, uh, but sir, but sir, what about the rights of the person you just killed? <laughs> uh, and they're like, sir. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, what, what, who made you? What about due process? Like, why, why, sir, sir? Why, why didn't you let him kill the hostages? Sir, uh, my diaper is full. Could you please change me? I'm a big baby. And then like, no, they're yelling. Like the, the press is just yelling at him because they didn't give him due process. And then, uh, of course, he grabs one of the, uh, one of the, one of the, the reporters. He grabs, grabs a reporter, pulls his face down, and then like, rips the sheet off the fucking corpse of the dude that the, that, um, the Antifa comrade um, blew away. Yeah. For I don't know, yeah, for hoarding, Eichmann that he for, for hoarding he had, milk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he was making sure people wouldn't get grapefruits. That guy knew what he was getting into <laughs> when he signed up to work at the grocery store. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, you're right. Why did you tell that to his family?" <laughs> it was just like, well, I mean, I, again, like Stallone wrote this movie again. Yeah. I need, I need, yeah, I, I need clearly. to stress that this movie is a pure product from the mind of Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah. And I, I just like that, like he thinks that like that is like the perfect retort to people who are like, um. Uh, but sir, we live in a civil society, and the cops just can't murder people on a whim. Then he's like, "Tell that to their family." Yeah, and I'll just be like, "Well, I mean, that's not that a totally inappropriate thing to say to someone, even if they've been a victim of a crime." Yeah, but anyway, no, and they then, still then, need to have laws. Come on, and then and of course the cuck, the cuck police chief, who's like, You're, "Damn it, Cobra!" Yeah, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Uh, you didn't enroll him in Obamacare like I would have. <laughs> oh, I'm so mad about this. I'm going to go vote for Walter Mondale. <laughs> He's like, Cobra, my wife's boyfriend was cooking dinner tonight. You made me miss it because I have all the paperwork I'm going to have to fill out now. I was going to play Smash with my polycule, and now I can't even get home. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, you know, Cobra's like, well, another day of uh, being a police officer done, which, again, mainly just like his day was like, I'll drive around in a muscle car until I'm called. To just like roar into a parking lot, get out, walk into a fucking building, and just shoot someone <laughs> and in, in a hostage home. situation. Yeah, yeah. Yep. quit time. Yeah, it's yeah. like time to time to knock off for the day. He goes home, and we and, then, and of course he lives in Malibu on the beach. I think it's supposed to be uh, Venice. All right, or, Venice. Uh, yes, of course he lives in Venice. Cool. Yeah, cool thing for the cool rockabilly cop. He's yeah. a cool rockabilly cop. Like, so what happens now when Cobra comes home is. A, about a five five minute sequence that stands alone as one of the most insane things ever 
put on film. Wait, so like, but the, there's a thing before that that's okay, insane yeah. too. Remember? Wait, okay, so no, no, no. I mean, like, I'm talking about the whole thing from yeah, him the whole from the start to beginning. Okay, start the beginning. Like just like this sequence of events that happens it's one after the other. Like, you know, it's movies are about choices, and every one of these choices is, is needs to be questioned. So, uh, so he, so he, so he's got he's in the rockabilly tank. And he's like looking for a parking space, and it's clearly the parking space is too small for him to fit in because there's another car, uh, just sort of like sitting right there that's like filled with some like uh like some some cholo like Mexican guys who yeah. are like you know hanging out no no good nick types, but clearly like it's you know they're in the parking space like he can't yeah. fit his car in there so rather than just be like uh like or he asks him to move later, it or yeah. just like or maybe drive around the block for a second, he uses his rockabilly muscle to like um just sort of like like roar it. And physically push the other car out of his way. This yeah. is um, this is what intelligent film critics will notice as the film's psychological elements. Every film has things on the surface, but there's also psychology. The psychology here is that um, everything is his penis. Yeah, the car especially, oh, yeah. and um, him physically moving the other car from behind the car that's owned by um, the sort of Mexican guys. Yeah. Is him symbolically penetrating and dominating them? I mean, it's pretty clear. He gets so he gets out of the car, and like the Mexican guy's like, "Hey, pinche, like fucking asshole, like rightly so." Why? Yeah, you, he hit his car. Why, why do you just do that, asshole? Then Stallone, still wearing leather gloves, sort of like not just grabs a cigarette out of the guy's mouth, but sort of like covers his mouth, rubs his face, rubs a bit. his whole face with his hand. Grabs a cigarette out of his mouth, throws it on the ground, says you shouldn't smoke, it's bad for your health. Then grabs his sort of like a like like wife beater t shirt, rips it all the way down his chest. Yeah. Revealing the love mic that the actor <laughs> is wearing in the scene. Taped to his chest. I like to think that that was not sloppy filmmaking, that he was actually an undercover cop and he and Cobra just blew his entire assignment and is gonna get him killed. I think that's funny. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Felix, what do you think about the way Cobra displayed dominance in that scene? Well, um, look, anytime a guy is trying to alpha you and, you know, you're always guys, you know, this when someone is just parked in a spot near you, they're basically trying to sodomize you. You have to dom them back. You have like to. a man sitting in a parked car. Dom or be friends, he's basically disrespecting the neighborhood. That car could start moving. They could start saying things in that car. They can make fun of your shirt. Like, it's basically the greatest violation from one man to another. It is important for the alpha, the journey of the alpha, to strip the man who is trying to emasculate him and put your hand over his mouth and go, your lips are too pretty, I swear. <laughs> that is alpha destiny. Um, I want to, I don't know if we want to get into this yet, but I do feel like this is the scene where I realized what this movie was truly about. What country yes. this movie represents? Okay. I, I, I feel Felix. When we first watched this, Felix had a, a kind of a, a a a road to Damascus moment, and I've seen this movie many times, and it's never occurred to me. And I guess it's only it only makes sense now due to recent world events. So, Felix, why don't, why don't you begin to explicate your your theory of what this movie sort of predicts? There exists no like written manifesto for Bolsonaroism until this movie. This movie is the greatest summary of Bolsonaro's entire ideology that I've ever seen. Because, like, as if you know anything about Bolsonaro, his, like, economic beliefs, stuff like that, it's kind of fluid. He just doesn't know what's going on. The real thing it's about, the real thing, like, the new Brazilian right is about Uncle Magic. 
insane homoeroticism couched in sort of like chauvinistic heterosexuality. Just Bope just fucking killing everybody. And that is what this movie is about. This movie is about a, a asocial Bope officer who is trying to navigate being an uncle sexual while also being like engaged with a woman. It's about uh, how just like there are so many sickos out. The only thing, the only way to protect society is for cops to kill like 30,000 people a day. While looking cool. Looking cool. The most important part. You That's have to the be most aesthetic. Part. It's the aesthetic. Cobra is aesthetic. Yes. A Brazilian cop, aesthetic. Yes, yes. It's not the, just like our cops, just some like fucking fat pig and three layers of body armor yeah, and a hot dog Oakley's. neck. No, yeah. no. They look, they gotta be swag like yeah. Cobra. Yeah. And this is like, this is a look into Bolsonaro's brain. Oh, absolutely. He thinks he's Cobra. He is Cobra. Because like, well, okay, what happens next? Okay. So after, after, after... Cobra displays does alpha dominance to the guy sitting in a parked car in his spot or whatever. Uh, he walks into his sort of cool beachside house. You know, he might as well be in Rio for that. <laughs> Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and then like inexplicably, it's sh- it's shown him going from there, and he's like walking up to his door, looking at a newspaper. It's like sort of folded over, and he's looking at it, ha ha ha, reading it. Yeah, and you're like, oh, oh, Cobra's checking out the news. What does he do though? He opens up a bar, like a sort of Webster barbecue grill right yeah. outside of his door, takes the lid off of it, throws the newspaper into it. It's not like it's like it's like it's like the coals are burning. It's just empty. Yeah. And he just throws the newspaper on top of the barbecue grill, puts the lid back over it. And he's like, oh, that's that's my newspaper. That's, my newspaper. that's where the newspaper belongs. Yes, that's exactly. That's where the lying, the lying press yeah, uh, the should go. Press, uh, put it in the garbage. Put it in the put it, burn it with flames. OK, then. He walks into his sort of cool beachside apartment. It's like a cool, like single guy pad. Um, before we, okay, he also has not taken off his sunglasses. No, has not taken off his leather gloves. Never has not taken off his uh, like a duster jacket. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the amazing, the the, the one, the, the scene, should we talk about how his apartment is appointed? Uh, it's an amazing place. It looks like something that a twelve year old uh, interior designed. He's got a cool rhino sculpture on top of his television, and he's got a styrofoam model of the Empire State Building. Uh, I'd like to point out who also has a rhino sculpture on top of their television. Holy shit, it's you. <laughs> oh, my God. You're, you're, you're fucking Cobra. You are Cobra. You're Cobra. Marion motherfucking Cobra. I, I mean, I think here. what we learned is that there's, there's, there is a little bit of Cobra in all of us, Absolutely. Or, or at least we'd like there to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's um, also was he's clearly also uh was a nerd and an early uh, yes that's, this is also adopter because he has like a lap he has like one of those uh PCs in his yeah in his apartment early PC in like 1986 I guess it's implied that he only uses it for solving crimes or it's, whatever it's his fi- it's where he keeps his files we find yeah. out about later that he has files which is very adorable. Um, so yeah, so the again, idea that the carnival a cop is fucking got a bunch of, <laughs> is doing investigations in between just like shaking his ass in the street, murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, then he uh, so so again, sunglasses, leather gloves, still on. You know, you come home after a hard day of work. What do you want to do? You want you got to relax. Yeah, you go to the fridge, takes out some cold pizza, carton of eggs, classic. <laughs> Classic, classic, chill. All your macros. Yeah, he sits down at his work desk with 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 the, with a pizza carton of eggs. Opens up the pizza box. There's a single old slice of pizza in there. 
What does he do? Start eating it? No, no. That's for that's no. for fucking losers. That, that's for betas. That's, yeah. That that is that is that that's is for like, Argentinians. No, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that is for that is for that's what Lula's government would have done. That's what they made the police do. Yeah. yeah. Which is just like eat pizza with their hands. Pathetic. Yeah. Lula or, or on a plate. Yeah, Lula wanted the cops to have their fingers dirty so they could their guns or knives would slip out of their hands when it comes time to arrest the scumbags. So what does what does Cobra do? He takes out a pair of like gigantic like desk scissors, not like cooking shears, like scissors that you would use to cut, you know, large quantities of paper. I yeah. use them for my projects. Yeah, <laughs> make dioramas of the crime scene. <laughs> he cuts the pizza with a pair of sort of office scissors and just cuts just the tip off paleo and and just makes he circumcises he circumcises the pizza and just makes a perfect smaller triangle of pizza (laughs) throws the like the other hat like the other two-thirds of the pizza back in the box and just leaves the little pizza triangle on his desk and then does he eat it like does he eat it at any point i forget he takes a bite he takes a bite and forgets about it then he opens up the carton of eggs. I'm like, oh, is he going to crack an egg into a beer? That's you know, sort of like a little bit of a rocky reference, maybe a little too on the nose. No. Oh, no, he won't. There's not even eggs in the carton. I was like, what? Fucking twist. Opens up the carton of eggs. It's all his gun cleaning supplies yep. that he keeps in his refrigerator yep. in a empty carton of eggs. Yeah. And then he just begins to like just chill, lay back, relax clean the handgun that just burned his dick off. <laughs> He's actually going to clean the flesh, uh, the, the curdled flesh off the barrel of it. Well, okay, have you ever, like, you thought you're shooting a 40, 45 APC round at a scumbag and your foreskin just comes plopping out of the floor? <laughs> it's really embarrassing. And then, uh, um, like, he, he turns on the TV and it's like a l- local news reporting where they're like, um, this is the uh, the fifteenth knife murder that's happened in the last two days. Uh, been, been carried out by the same perpetrator uh, who's um, you know would have would have been caught already were it not for our liberal justice system. That at, th- at that point he takes off his sunglasses. For yeah, the first, what for the first yeah. time in the movie? Like you have just to take the, them off for the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like uh like the he does the like the Chris Farley and the the Schlitz gay commercial. He just yeah. flips it up. Bow bow murders. <sighs> so uh, okay, so from there. It, it cuts to, you know, it's it's introduced the concept of the axe cult and the fact that there's like, you know, been 15 of these 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 knife axe murders throughout the city. They're Which just, makes me wonder, when the guy running shot up the grocery store, was was he just like so excited by the whole project that he just he had to do his own thing? Because he's not fitting the M.O. of the rest of the murders at all. Well, no, I told you he was part of the Axe Gang Build Caucus. He was like slightly a splinter, a slightly a splinter group. Ugh, those records. Uh, then like, yeah, we see... Uh, the Axe Gang, the lead Axe Gang murderer, played by what's his name, Brian Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson, who you might remember as the alien bounty hunter from the X Files. Yeah, the dude who you had to kill with an ice pick to the back of the brain. He has one of the most singular faces. He's got in, that Robert Zadar head, the just huge, blocky skull. He's, very, I mean, very like he, he is a scary looking guy for yeah. sure. And they show him just like you know him and his gang, just like fucking. Just smash the window of some lady's car who's like, you know, coming home from work and just, you know, just just kill her, just murder the shit out of her. So uh, and then, you know, then Salone's back at like, you know, police chief headquarters and they're like they're talking. Oh, wait, they're they're in the morgue even better. And they're like they're, they're sitting around talking about how to they're like, hey, um, 
how do we investigate these crimes? Like, <laughs> like what, what do we do here? Like, no one, no one saw any of these murders happen. What the fuck? Like, what? How do we stop this? And the Cobra says very reasonably, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to try to stop them. I'm going to catch the bad guys." And then the the cuck cop says, "No, you no, you'll violate too many civil rights." He goes, "This is not your specialty." We need Cobra. to do we need to do midnight basketball. That's what's going to stop these guys, these murderers. He's like, get out of the crime lab, Cobra. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, you, this is not for you. But like, it's funny that he's like, he's in, he's in the police morgue, and this is a theme that you'll see throughout the rest of the movie as well. Is that everywhere he goes, he can't stop fidgeting with things that are around him. So he's literally twirling a bone saw on yeah. his fingers while these guys are just like, um, guess know anything about fingerprints, or yeah. DNA or something? Like, <laughs> no, he's a fussy little baby, is what he is. So like, basically, the cops are just saying like, you know, just. Go home and wait to do what you're told, Cobra. Like the the real cops are not investigating this crime now. Um, and and, and then it begins. It, like they they say that this is a phrase that's repeated throughout the movie, but never explained. They say that he works on the Zombie Squad. The Zombie Squad sounds badass. Uh, Matt, what you looked into where he got this phrase from? Right. Apparently, it's from a Belgian police unit. Chris, you said. Uh, Yes, he was inspired by a real-life zombie squad in Belgium who were empowered to... The quote in the IMDb trivia is very funny. Well, let me look it up real quick. Because it makes as little sense knowing the inspiration as it does in the movie. Hello, I'm from Le Zombie Squad. I'm here to see, make sure that your wine is up to God. Salone said, said he got the idea from LAPD's zombie squad from the real-life zombie squad in Belgium, comprised of cops... Who go out and quote go out at night and handle crazed criminals on their own terms? What does that mean? <laughs> so uh, vigilantes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, but Matt, like, do you say like that, that that has an eerie? It just makes me think of the Brabant killings, which was this mysterious uh, spree of uh, very very. Uh, they were actually very similar to the first scene in this movie, where guys would roll into grocery stores and just start shooting everybody. Uh, they've been often linked uh, to uh, like the. But this was in Belgium, yeah, right? In the, the special in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah. yeah, it often got leaked to like special forces and cops and stuff. At least that's the theory. It'd be funny though if the if he was inspired by those guys who literally were basically doing axe gang. Shit. Yeah. So uh, then then we're treated to one of many um amazing eighties song like eighties style movie songs in this movie. This one's just called "Hold On to Your Vision." I tried to record enough of the lyrics to this, but all I could hear was, uh, hold on to your vision. And this is very important because uh, the female lead of the movie and the future ex-Mrs. Sylvester Stallone, Bridget Nielsen, is driving by the scene of one of these murders and, and accidentally gets a look at the face of Brian Thompson. Even though she doesn't know that any crime has been yeah. committed. She it, just, like, she just knows street. that he's scary looking. Yeah. And, like, he, he pulls away. He has a very distinctive face. And um, so then we see his um, Cobra and his partner, who's a very important character. He's the uncle. He is the uncle. He is the uncle. Yeah, he's the key uncle component of this entire thing. Yeah, yeah, Stallone yeah. is a nephew. Uh, the uncle is someone he wear. He wears sort of like a newsboy cap. And he was Poppy on Seinfeld. If anyone remembers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he wears a newsboy cap, and like his his sort of one character affectation or like personality trait is that he loves eating candy. He loves a good sweet. He loves sweets. Yeah, and that this is a frequent like, you know, people who know the Brazilian right will know like for like middle like Bolsonaro voters like a big issue they have is like they're worried their uncle is eating too many sweets. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyone who knows about Brazilian politics knows like the a white conservative Brazilian like Jair, I love you. I want to kiss you. Like let's you know to kick this soccer ball around. But <laughs> my uncle's eating too much candy. Is there a way we can get a program where? Like the owner of the local shop limits the amount of candy my uncle buys because I want my uncle around for a really long time. Okay, we're then treated to what is uh, like a really amazing 80s movie montage that almost approaches like, you know, Eisenstein levels of like experimental like film, uh, like, you know, cutting technique. So we, we, uh, there's another song. Uh, the lyrics I've written down here are Another Hot Day in the City, Sweatborn. <laughs> Sorry, another hot day in the city, sweat pouring down, no it ain't pretty. The air is thick with dreams on fire. We're living on the edge of a knife. Angel of the city, angel of the city. <laughs> and the montage is cutting back and forth between um, the axe gang, the axe guy sharpening his knife, Bridget Nielsen doing a like sort of, you know, high fashion photo shoot that involves her sort of voguing in front of robots, in front of robot sculptures. Yes, <laughs> but they're not. They're 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 like they're they're immobile robot sculptures yeah. that are like you know crafted out of like you know pipes and 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 yeah. like you know sheet metal and shit like that. Like yeah. they they look like dog shit. Yeah, they look like short circuit with less personality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like the Rock and uh, Herbie Hancock video. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And like she's voguing and she's being like you know shot at by a photographer who's. Uh, Played by the neocon guy from the thick of it, David and, Rash. Yeah, 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 and also from, from Succession, Felix' favorite favorite show. Yeah, she, he loves that show very much. Um, but also, Cobra and his uncle are also investigating the knife murders by doing like you know police work, which in this case is go like moving from like an, moving from one to another, like on a, an increasingly gay series yeah, of, of locations. Like he's start- going through the L.A. Demimond interviewing people to figure out who's doing the murders. From what I under- could tell, he's mostly just asking people, hey, did you do these murders? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he goes yeah, to yeah, a tattoo parlor, right. and he's just like, hey, you know about these murders? Yeah, and then he, he's, he's very limited when not killing people. Yeah. Like His investigative skills mostly consist of like, yeah, going to like an all-night ice cream parlor and being like, you or no one you know is part of the cult, right? And they're like, fuck off, weirdo. And then... Uh, like, don't talk like that from my uncle. No, yeah. He, like, he start, goes to a tattoo parlor, um, increasingly dimly lit bars, and yeah. then, like, I feel like, I feel like the, the last scene is him just looking through a hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, Wait, no, he does, he does assault... Assault one uh, guy, the only black guy he runs into... He just drags him over the bar yeah. by his coat. And it's like, we never find out what that guy knew or what. Like, I don't think it got him any closer to anything. He was just like, what are you doing being black in here? <laughs> he said he, he, he knew he knew the combos for Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, again, it's not really like clear like how the Axe Gang finds out about Bridget. No, it's no, oh, no, okay. it is clear. All right. So explain it to me. Uh, the only other member of the Axe Gang who we get who has any lines is a woman who kind of looks like Stalker Channing. Uh, she's sort of like a Zuko from uh, Rizzo from uh, Greece. Uh, and she's sort of, 
I don't know, like his girlfriend or no, it's like a mommy figure. Mommy figure, yeah. And, it's, it's like the the antithesis of Uncle Magic is Auntie Magic. Yeah, and she's but, a very, is, she's but that's a Black girl. Magic. Yeah, no, it's no the, good. No, she's, no, like like, like Lula was doing all the, like all kinds of aunts. Ant- yeah, yeah. 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 Aunt, aunts he, are he had, very yeah, wicked. He had yeah. to be. He had to be so. He, so it's 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 the big lug and his wicked auntie, and his wick and uh, when Bridget Nielsen drives away after seeing the, the cult leader. Uh, she yells, get the license plate. And ah, then okay. they cut to her as her day job at the LAPD, where she looks up the license and finds out her name and where she works so that they can ambush her after her photo shoot. All right. So, um, so yes, yeah, she, she gets done with the photo shoot. Um, they're going down into the parking lot with her and, and, and the photographer who's like, you know, don't worry, I'll take it from here. I have, uh, I, I have to meet you, this, this, this model who's working for me. And then, you know, he does, he does the classic thing of like, listen, I'd be crazy not to want to sleep with you, but I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you and your, and your career. <laughs> and she's like, oh, like, you know, I, I don't know about that. And he's like, come on, like, I'm just trying to help you lead, like, the, the best life you can lead. Yeah. And, and then they show right up. Is this is this fucking piece of shit. This Weinsteinian figure. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Is like he's like right as he's about to fucking greenlight the script for Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Axe Gang shows up to do direct action to this fuck boy. They do clown this pussy. They, they literally you know, cancel him, and they literally by, and by cancel him, I mean like um push him up against the wall and just hit him with like five or six beautiful axe strokes. Yep. Chop just one after the other. Chop, chop, chop. Yep. Chop down the tall tree. Yeah. Um, they mark him something lovely. Um, she's uh, She screams, uh, runs away. And then right as she's running away, this is what I love about the 80s action genre, is that they're just so generous. And by generous is that there's really no reason for there to be a like you know just nice looking man in glasses with like a big like i don't know valentine's box yeah, of chocolates yeah he had chocolates uh, and a, and a, a bottle of wine bottle or wine. champagne or something he was clearly going to see his sweetheart he's just yeah. coming home like walking into the parking lot at night just like going on love my wife and children i'm i i work hard for them but it's worth it um just standing there just axe axe just like what's going on just axe and you just see the bottle shatter She's they screen- set that shot up. That's all you know. That's the extra, extra going the extra mile is they shot. They set up the totally unnecessary shot of the fucking champagne bottle dropping to the ground and exploding. The whole life ended with a stroke of an axe. And then there's a security guard, and like <laughs> and they're in a car, and the security guard's like, "No, like I'll I'll help you." And like you know, he fight he he unholsters his service weapon. This fucking like guy who's probably making like eight dollars an hour or something. He's <laughs> yeah. like. I'm, I will die to defend the customers of, of, of this shopping mall. Um, uh, like he unloads into the pickup truck, but like again, so generous. Eighties action movies, just even in even in mediocre eighties action movies, the quality of ownage is yep. just so superior so to anything that you see now. They show like it must have been incredibly hard to film. They just show like the, a truck going at full speed and pancaking <laughs> this guy straight into a concrete wall. It ruled. It it's it's so satisfying. Yeah, and um, but uh, unfortunately, uh, for unfortunately for our comrades, yeah, who were trying to save her, and by save her, I mean like kill her so that like more bad things can happen to her in the future. Um, she gets away. She gets away, and then we are treated to another what like what I think may be probably my favorite scene in the movie, 
So, like, finally they have a break in the case that they've been, like I said, they've been going to every glory hole and nothing in Los has, Angeles. They and have they accomplished did, nothing. No leads. They've got no leads. So really, now, actually, his, his uncle against. has just gotten more candy. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah. He's every just, time Cobra goes into a dimly lit bar or alleyway or shipping yard, merchant marine vessel, <laughs> uh, uh, his uncle just has, like, a mouthful of jawbreakers. <laughs> and and gummy whistlers. worms spilling out of his dumb mouth. <laughs> He's, he's got fucking milk duds idiotically pouring out of the sides of his leather jacket. His uncle is a sweet buffoon, and Cobra has got nowhere. So finally, <laughs> so finally, they have a they have a break in the case. They have like you know like a, a witness who's almost been axed. She's the only survivor, and you know this is like you know pro, like I guess like. Maybe 15 minutes after she was almost murdered and saw three different men be killed brutally right in front of her eyes. Uh, you know, she's she's in a hospital and she's being interviewed by these two fucking morons. Oh, this uncle and his nephew. And, and the uncle is like, he's the nice guy who's just like, hey, like we're some good guys. They're going to have to ask you some very bad questions. And like, she's clearly in shock. PTSD. Like trauma, yeah. like in every way, like you know, shaking from uh, the, the the horror of what's just happened to her, and now she has to deal with these two fucking idiots. So just imagine this: imagine that's your woman, and that's just happened to you. You have some fucking oaf in a newsboy cap <laughs> who's just drooling fucking like pop rocks all over your fucking hands and shit. Who's just like, hey, you do drugs? No, fuck. Okay, well, that that was my only lead on, on why this happened yeah. to you. Like, okay, good. And that is the, that is, and you, you would think you were in hell. You would. Think, <laughs> there's just this five five muscle bound simpleton in a duster and sunglasses and a matchstick, just being like, just like looking at a human skull or something. Yeah, no. no. Again, while his while his uncle is asking this woman these questions about um the, this horrible trauma she's just experienced, he's just wandering about the room. Just like, you know, I don't know, just looking at an EKG machine, making noises that are co- copying the noises that it makes. I think I could be one of these. Yeah, machines. just like, but just, just move, moving a wheelchair back and forth. <laughs> yeah. So like, okay. Squirt, like just squirting the interferon in his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what do you know? It tastes like nothing. <laughs> so imagine you're, you're, you're a woman or just anyone who like a violent crime has happened to. And then you have to talk to the fucking police. You got one. You got the uncle who's who's fucking uh, just like you can smell M and M's on his breath. <laughs> three or something. lollipops. Yeah, in he's his got mouth. three lollipops in his mouth, just being like, "Oh boy, you ever done drugs? Uh, oh well, shit, I'm out of questions." And then you then you turn to your side, and you see a man wearing mirrored sunglasses in a completely pitch in a completely, black hospital in, yeah, in a pitch black hospital room. You see a man wearing mirrored sunglasses, a black trench coat. Just drooling on a matchstick, coming towards with a gun in his waistband, coming towards you with leather gloves, with his hands outstretched, just like, oh, what'd you say? You would go, you would, you would, like, honestly, you would go into a coma. Yeah, like you, you, your body would shut down from the fucking trauma of that. So yeah, like through through their incredible bedside manner, they're able to discern that you know she saw the face of the axe killer, and most crucially. That he did not act alone. Very importantly. Yes, because the rest, nobody else believes that this is a gang of this killers. This is a criminal conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from there on, they bring in um, what is possibly the worst police sketch artist <laughs> ever to be Imbecilic. employed. 
Since, like, yeah. since the man had to draw the Alabama leprechaun. Yes. No <laughs> oh my been this God. bad at drawing uh, from a description. Oh my like, God. Like, that is exactly. That should be the art for this episode. Yeah, no, I want that picture to be the art for the episode. Uh, yeah, and they're like, uh, is, 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 is this the man you saw? And she's like, I, I, yes, in a Dick Tracy comic strip from the 1930s. <laughs> no, it's like, I look at the police sketch artist is just like, they, they make him do drawings for like you know that people describe and then they give it to the person as a memento of their crime <laughs> like oh you can put that on your refrigerator good job oh, isn't it nice like like wait what why like wait wait why why is this criminal as big as the house yeah. there, there's no perspective here and like, is that it's four just, fingers on each hand yeah just there's there's no it's oh there's just like no shadowing it's just it's, this is terrible but you know we you know he's our he's our special guy I do want proud of him. I do want to say that even though this is one of the worst police sketch arts in any movie, it does also look uncannily like Brian Thompson. Because Brian Thompson yeah. looks like a poorly drawn cartoon. Yes. He does not As have Matt human features. points out he looks like an Easter Island head. Yes, and this drawing looks Easter exactly Island like head. that. Yeah. Like yeah. you would say, you would look at that drawing and say, this looks like no human being that ever lived. And then you would meet Brian Thompson. You'd be like, oh, it looks like that human being. I mean, he just has like, yeah, Easter Island. He just has like incredibly deep, sharp cheekbones. Yeah. It's like, it's like really strange. Like then uh, Brian Thompson and his aunt, Again, it's like it's like the the inverse yeah, of the Uncle Magic aunt. is is Auntie Evil. Yeah, um, and he's like, she's bored. I'm gonna kill her. So then, like, so like the the bad the the inside axe cop, who's you know a member of the uh, the axe game axe momentum uh, caucus, <laughs> the, the good one. Um, she like is like, okay, I know where, I know where the cops have her. Like, we're gonna kill this witness. So. Even though he knows there's been a description of him given, he's like, I'll just dye my hair and walk into this hospital. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, we're looking for a 6'7 man whose face looks like a Halloween mask. <laughs> uh, but uh, it said he was blonde. No, uh, you just keep going, sir, yeah. right this way. Yeah. Um, so he gets into the hospital and then immediately kills a janitor and steals his clothes and then kills probably three or four other people in the hospital. For, just sort of for fun. Yeah. Like, just you got distracted. Because he just loves murdering so much, he really does love murdering. He, yeah, they just they love it, they love it, and um, yeah. So then he almost kills Bridget Nielsen in the hospital, and this is like, oh, this is like Stallone is like, I'm gonna go home and check my files. Yeah, he goes over to check the files after she gives him the cartoon drawing, and, and he's like, I'm gonna go. He's like, I'm gonna compare this sketch against my book of Tom fin- Tom of Finland drawings when I go home. <laughs> So he's at his home. He's like, I think, I think I've seen this sailor before. <laughs> <laughs> he's at home looking on his his amazing state of the art PC through his files when two guys come to try to murder him. Uh, presumably part of the Axe Gang, although honestly they never actually established that. It's it just, just two door to door sickos. It's just some sickos who show up, and he just murders the sickos, and then he realizes. Oh, if they're coming to kill me, then they're also trying to kill her, which once again feels kind of like a stretch. Lot, there's a lot of leaps of logic in this movie. Uh, and then so he drives to the hospital in time to see her having escaped the clutches of the bad guy, which is when they decide they have to get out of the city. Uh, and then, like, you know, they, they, they meet again with uh, the, the, cuck, the cuck cop. And they're like, they're like one of them says, uh, do you know you have an attitude problem, Cobretti? And he goes, beautifully, yeah. But it's a little one, and he yep. even does like a little like hand gesture. He holds out like those, it's small, stands for it's small, like a baby, like yeah. he's a man, man baby. Small. <laughs> and then they agree to, um, you know, put the witness in a safe house. And also, another thing that I really like is like Stallone's like, you don't get it. There's a whole army of sickos out there, 
they'll do they'll do anything to grease this broad. And then they're like, and then the cut cop Andrew Robinson is like, ah, you know this. This, this this gang of killers theory seems a bit. What are you basing it on? It seems a bit far fetched. And this is uh right after. Oh wait, this is right now. Right after there's a car chase where they try to kill him. Yes, they try to and kill him he at, killed two guys at his house. At his house, and like somebody called the hospital to take two like uniformed police officers off their appointed yeah. duty of guarding this woman's hotel room. Yeah, and then Andrew Robinson is like, it just. It seems like it's all just a sick prank to me. <laughs> he says this is all some sick joke. It's like, well, that's the that's the solution. Thank you, Andrew. It's a, it's a fucking it's a it's an episode of punked. No one's actually dead. It's ridiculous. So yeah, uh so then they 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 agree to uh they agree to let Stallone and his uncle escort Bridget Nielsen to a safe house and after you know there's there's a car chase um where Stallone destroys his rockabilly car. Anything else happened in that scene? Yeah, no, it's just a car chase. It's just a, just, nah, a, yeah. just, a, just a car chase, a lot of property damage, pretty cool. Oh, it's like probably uh, Chris you put it out. I think it's Maybe one of the earliest uses of like a, a nitrous booster tank in an action movie that I can remember. Yeah, uh, right in if you've seen an earlier use of a nitrous switch in a rockabilly uh, tank in a, in an action movie. Yeah, earlier in, than in, 1986. before 1986, I, w- I would love to hear about it. My, uh, my other favorite thing about this car chase is that it is pretty awesome. It's a pretty great car chase, mm-hmm. but seemingly every new shot transports the car chase 20 miles in a different direction somewhere in Los Angeles. It'll be like they're 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 zooming through a wharf and then the next thing the next shot they're going over a, a hilly bridge in Venice and then the shot changes and they're like in the middle of downtown Beverly Hills. It it there's zero continuity in it. But you know what? Who cares? It, it's fun to when the uh the tankers explode. Yeah, it's fun and then and then also I I forgot this. Right after Bridget Nielsen was almost murdered again, she's confronted by uncle and nephew in a hospital room again she's doubly traumatized and what do they do they just do like bants with each other about what food they're gonna eat yeah yeah um, that's her hospital food yeah and he's like oh you want the cheese yeah like, why'd you have some of this and like they're just doing bants with each other and she's like oh my god yeah why no she's keep happening actually to show me? her being like oh, this is in hell i'm in hell yeah. um so eventually uh the the the, the, the cuck police department <laughs> allows Cobretti and his uncle to escort Bridget Nielsen to like a safe house in like Big Sur, California. Like I don't know, ten, a ten-hour drive outside of L.A. But uh, fatally, but though, the third big yeah. mistake. They also choose to have the the evil aunt yes. be the be the third police officer joining them. This was, which so, is like this was why the, this was so brass high. Like the yeah. one thing we were trying to prevent. <laughs> yeah, 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 this is the one thing we didn't want to happen. <laughs> Was to have a, <laughs> the, 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 the axe murderer's aunt come along on the, trip, on the road trip. <laughs> well, they didn't know she was his aunt yet. They haven't determined that. Yeah, but there's really no reason for another police no. officer to go on what this do you road need trip. Her for? They take two fucking cars. Yeah, it doesn't seem to they make They take any two sense. cars, so Uncle and Aunt are in one car, and then Stallone and Bridget Nielsen are alone <laughs> on a date together, and uh, we get another. Another uh, 80s action song that I tried to transcribe the lyrics to as best I can. So this song is um, Feel the Heat. Can you feel the heat? You've got to feel the heat. And you feel that time is turning and your mind just starts to feel the heat. <laughs> this country was better when anyone who did cocaine was allowed to make a song. <laughs> no, when Fogu's doubled his recording studios and just <laughs> cocaine users across the country could be like, I have a great idea for a song. And Everyone the song was like, the clock on your life is ticking. 
Are you going to answer? Are you going to answer? It's the clock. I love you. <laughs> yeah, no, cocaine is still collecting royalties for all of these songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like if you were if you were a child in the eighties, you remember your your dad going into the bathroom for twenty minutes at Thanksgiving, and he's like, "I gotta go for like <laughs> an hour." I got an you idea. thought he was having an affair, and before you knew it, you could buy a jacuzzi because your dad your dad had a one hit wonder song that was, called yeah. yeah called called like the Radiator of Love. <laughs> that was just was the, the Radiator first? of Love forty seven times. Uh, the, the, first piano. One, the name of the first one because that is the most cocaine song. Oh yeah, no. Uh, the name of the first in song life. in the movie is <laughs> "Hold On to Your Vision." <laughs> <laughs> the single most cocaine sentiment ever expressed. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> hold on to your vision, dude. Dude, dude, no, you gotta hold on to no, the vision. No, dude, dude, you gotta open dude, that restaurant. Got, no, hold no, on no, to that vision. No, hold on to it. That song may, should be called, yeah, it's like calling a song like, no, start that line of jeans. <laughs> <laughs> you know good denim. Can finish writing this Cobra script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, there, there, no, there should be an amusement park only for adults. <laughs> so, so, so in the car, like, you know, uh, uh, Stallone and Bridget Nielsen uh, have a little date, and I, and I like to think, you know, in real life, maybe this was the moment where they they fell in love. I believe it because in real the life, sparks just fly off the screen. Yeah, the chemistry yeah. between some them. Amazing is, chemistry yeah. here. Uh, say what you will about this movie, but this is they have the most. It was electric. It was like um, Bogart and Bacall. Oh, absolutely. They have yeah. They have a date. They go. They have no, no, but like, but, but right before right before the date, we have the single most Bolsonaro dialogue like exchange oh, conversation yes, in this car, movie. Yeah. They're in the car and they're driving, and um, Bridget Nielsen says to Sloan, there's all these crazy people everywhere. Why can't the police just put them away? <laughs> and Sloan goes, so it's the judge. <laughs> and, she's yeah. like, and she's like, well, uh, sorry, what are, you, what are you talking about again? What do you mean? And he just goes, we put them away. They let them out. And she just goes, that's sick. And he goes, like I said. Tell it to the judge. But he so, says something. He fucks up and acts him really bad. And I wish yeah. I wrote it down, but it's something like other people. I try to get him to see my point of opinion. Or yeah, something, yeah, something yeah. He's like, just, but just like run through the blender of his mind. No, but this, this, like, yeah, this is like you know. I mean, it's like it's it's a stand-in for a lot of right-wing ideology, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like especially, yeah. <laughs> Brazil, where they're like, why doesn't someone just do something about all the favelas? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Why, why don't we just all the people there? Why don't they just go away? And all the and of course it 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 all, part of it is is that it uh, establishes crime as just a thing that psychos do. That's just it's the result of sickos. There's no profit. There's the, yeah, there's no gained. economic relations involving crime. There's no like social pathology related to specific you know forms of production or anything. There's just sickos. Like, they're just a bunch of guys who love murdering people. They want to do a new order where there's just murdering, where murder is the new currency. No, but, but also, like, but, but crucially, though, in the face of that, everything about civil society not only is unprepared to deal with the sicko army, like, they, they want to help them. Yes. They, they yes. want to surrender to them. Yeah. And, or, like, just let them out of prison so that they can do it again. I think the sicko should be the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Mayor Pete's platform. <laughs> uh, he was he was part of the Axe Gang Caucus of the Democratic Party in South Bend. So uh, then they stop at like a little gas station, and Bridget Nielsen and the uncle have a very tender scene. 
where he's like, want some candy? No, you simpleton. He gives her, he gives her, uh, and he goes, yeah, like he says, he says, Cobra, he may look like a refugee from the 1950s, but he's real good at catching psychos. <laughs> and he goes, that's why, that's why he's on the zombie squad. And there's that phrase again. And then, and then finally, like, I'm begging an for it. Finally, a stand in for the audience, Bridget Nielsen character goes, the zombie squad, what's that? <laughs> and the uncle replies, the bottom line. And it's like, no, you didn't, you didn't explain anything. That doesn't what mean the anything. fuck does that mean? mean? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. The <laughs> uncle is an imbecile. <laughs> All he just has is like a bunch of cliche stock phrases in his head. At yeah. random, what what? It just she could say anything, and she'd be like, "Well, what's the zombie squad? Uh, Twenty three skidoo." <laughs> he was a gym uh, teacher for like one semester and got fired for extorting candy from children, <laughs> but only remembers like three gym teacher phrases, yeah, and yeah. that makes up ninety percent of she's his like, vocabulary. Um, like, uh, what, you know, why why is Cobra allowed to drive a 1950s muscle car and like not carry a badge? Or, like, specifically, what does he do for the Los Angeles Police Department? It's the way things are. <laughs> it is what it is. What's, what's the zombie squad? The choice of a new generation. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then, and then we see. So like there's a little like roadside stop full of like little trinkets and bullshit. And there isn't. An, and of I, course, he spends the entire time touching. He's everything. just like touching everything uh, with his fucking greasy fingers. And it might at maybe my favorite moment. I There's so many of them. <laughs> he, there's he's looking at a little bobblehead doll. And he picks it up and looks at it, and the bobble is just like you know bouncing up and down. And then he he starts doing it. His head starts. He starts shaking his head back and forth to mimic the toy, the trinket that he's playing with, like child. a fucking parrot would, like, like a fucking toddler. Not even a child. Like if your if your six year old did this, you'd be like, uh, uh, I think he like, might have like delayed learning or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like a baby or a dog or cat could do this. <laughs> this is. Like, this movie, if it was actually about, like, this is just, like, an incredibly mentally slow, murderous cop and how he sees the world, it would be genius. It would be, like, the most conceptual movie of the 80s. He's but- like, yeah, he's looking at some wind chimes and doesn't know where the noise is coming from. <laughs> yeah. He sees a mirror and attacks it. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is, like, yeah. It, that's I think, is the most amazing thing in this movie. Like, there are more explicitly insane scenes, but that might be the best because it's, like, he wrote this. This character is him. And in his his character, the coolest guy, the best cop, the guy who fucks the really like the fucking hot woman in the movie, is just like, hey, I'm gonna move my head like that. <laughs> like that's what like Yeah, and while him. he's doing this, this insanely hot Danish model is going, Ooh, damn. Look at and those girls. Yeah. Love a guy who barely has object permanence. <laughs> She's doing peekaboo with him, you know. Like she's, her heart is starting to melt to this, you know, this this um, this childlike murderer uh, who seemingly is just sort of a vigilante for the police department. Anyway, then they have a nice sort of dinner date, which she like squeezes half a bottle of ketchup on her on her crinkle cut fries. <laughs> he slaps her, she slaps hand, her hand away. Um, but before that, there's like a novelty plastic giant hamburger. <laughs> Then he picks up again off the counter of this restaurant, turns to her, and he's like, "Hey, it's your burger." <laughs> just like this is his idea of like charming flirtation with again a woman who's nearly been murdered a half a dozen times since she met him. And she's baby, like, and that's not he. He he tries to do two punchlines off the giant fucking sandwich. First is, "Hey, your order's ready." 
And then when she just kind of smiles, he goes, must be for a large family. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. He kills it. He Girls just, love that. Yeah, no, it's just, oh. Uh, yeah, okay, but so, so cut okay. two. No, 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 I'm getting to part two. This is this is great. This, there is another song setting up this romantic <laughs> date. I've, uh, I've I tried to transcribe the lyrics as best I could. <laughs> Watching the city lights go out, wishing for someone to stay with me in these few stolen moments. <laughs> What's up? What? What? That, that's not plays on the jukebox, which he turns on by hitting it Fonzie style. So they're, they're, they're sitting down, and uh, uh, Bridget Nielsen's just like, "What do you What do you do for fun, Cobra?" And what does he say? Like he's like, "Oh, uh, I don't I get into trouble." <laughs> I, no, he says, I, lo- "I look for trouble." Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I look for trouble through you know strategically placed <laughs> holes and walls and bathroom doors. I cruise around town. Yeah, <laughs> I cruise around town looking for trouble. <laughs> I go to the docks. <laughs> I, go to the, I go to the pier, the bus stop. <laughs> go to the, the Blue Oyster from uh, yeah. from the Police so, Academy movies. So he goes like, you know, and then she's like. Like, do you ever let go? And he's like, you know, ooh, it's hard. He goes, and then she goes, this is an amazing, ama-. again, he wrote this dialogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wrote this scene and like cast her because he was like, she's a pretty woman. Um, she, so she says to him, what I mean, she goes, do you ever get involved? And he just like, without missing a beat, matchstick still in his mouth, looks up from his fake hamburger directly in her eyes and just goes, with a woman? <laughs> And then she says, like, yeah, like, yeah, with a woman. And he's like, with a real woman? <laughs> and she says, like, why not? And he goes, you know, you know a, few, a few times here and there. You know, I mean, like, look, it's just, like, he's like, he, he, like, his sexuality is very fluid. It's very fluid. It's like, it can either be woman, uncle, or gun. <laughs> so, Polly. and then what he said is, it would be hard to find a woman who can put up with the way I live. Cutting up pizzas all over the place. Cutting up pizzas, not, ha- not, own, not, men. not not owning a couch. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I can <laughs> having jewel pods all over the floor, using your living living his living room as a storage okay, room. Okay, uh, not having uh, hand towels. Having, okay. uh, yeah, piles regular, of uh, gamer powder all over the okay, place. Regular sized, regular sized uh, towels that you can use as hand. If you have a hand towel, you can't use it for your entire body if you're in a pinch. If you have a regular sized towel, you can use it. I'm nothing like Cobra. <laughs> I'm not absolutely nothing like Cobra. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm nothing I've been, like I've been to that place. I'm nothing. I I don't even know where my scissors are. No, Cobra is significantly uh, more organized <laughs> than, true, well, and socially adjusted than you are. <laughs> I am very well socially adjusted. Okay, well, I, my, my next note here is, uh, I just said my notes here. I said, this movie is also about Felix. <laughs> And then my next note is her and Cobra have sex. Sorry, it's not about Felix. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I. There are things Cobra does that I do. I'm very charming to women. (laughs) I know how to talk to them like Cobra does. Yes, yes, you do. Yeah, women do. Women find it charming. Yes, they do. Okay, they love talking about stretched res on uh, Fortnite. They, they can never it. understand that. <laughs> what we lost when they took that out. <laughs> you have to fight the, the sickos who took away a, FOB. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, uh, 
She's like, uh, so then they're back. For some reason, they're staying in the same motel room together. This is a normal thing that the police do. With, yeah, you know, like that's a, for extra safety. Um, and she's like, I, I can't sleep, Cobra. You keep um, clicking your gun. <laughs> yeah. You keep pointing your gun at me and <laughs> cocking the hammer back. Why are you doing that? She's like, gotta be prepared. <laughs> no. So, yeah, the, uh, they have sex. With the gloves on. Yeah, course. yeah. He does not take the leather gloves off. Never. It's, it's pretty hot, actually. Um, and then they get up in the morning. And oh, the, the the evil aunt has already made a phone call, and he sees her using a payphone to make a call, and is like, "Why didn't you use the phone in your room?" And she's like, "It was broken." And he's like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> master so, detective." So they wake up. They wake up in the morning, and they're like, "Uh, well, where's where, where's 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 the other where's Officer Stalk?" Oh, by the way, the name of the aunt is Officer Stalk. Stalk, yes. Stalk, as in to stalk and kill. And they're like, "Well, where'd she go?" And like, "Oh, she's gone." Uh-oh. And then they notice she's just run across the street. And is uh, pointing at them wildly to like an army of men on motorcycles and pickup trucks. And then the uncle goes, I never liked that bitch. <laughs> and I was just thinking, well, maybe you should have fucking acted on your quite obvious suspicion a little earlier in the movie. Okay, it's hell IA that this woman's part of the axe cult or buy more candy. <laughs> <laughs> so real Sophie's choice. Here. So when she drops the dime, Brad Thompson gets the entire axe gang together. Yeah, and so it's a, a convoy like, of motorcycles. They were teaching film school at UCLA. Well, see, that's what's annoying is that they don't have a montage of everyone dropping what they're doing at their day job, grabbing their axe, and getting on the motorcycle. That would have been funny. The, yeah, the guy in the suit. They're like, "You haven't finished trading these French bonds. You haven't finished trading the De Gaulle bond." And he's like, "I have a project I have to do." <laughs> and he just takes a giant axe out of his desk, and they're like. When Solomon Brothers comes in to acquire this investment bank, they're not going to put up with that, <laughs> him being in the axe murder game. So from there, we get, you know, I think a, uh, a pretty awesome shootout. Where well, it's, just like, it's, it's mostly just like, him just murdering them. Well, it's just like it's just wave after wave of guys on motorcycles getting falling off of them as they're gunned down by yeah. Cobra. Who do not have guns themselves. I really don't know what their plan is. <laughs> so um, uh, they're, they're able to escape. And like you know, uh, we get a classic finale in a showdown in a foundry in a steel foundry. Yes, and it's like there's sparks everywhere. Yeah, uh, there's a couple guys that he has to kill, but like mainly, um, he kills he kills the aunt, the aunt cop, and then there's the showdown with the, Brian Thompson, the head axe killer, who has like a pretty cool monologue. I really like the way he says "pig" at the end of the pig. movie. He kept saying, "I want your eyes, pig." Give them to me, pig. And All then he just stops her bastards. <laughs> I want your eyes, pig. I want them. And <clears throat> so then he's just like, yeah. He's like, I bet, I bet you wish you could kill me, but you can't because you're a cop and cops have rules. And yep. it's like, well, we've already seen like an hour and a half of this movie of him not abiding by that at all. So not it's like, five minutes before he says that, what, he dispatches one of the top minions by light, covering him and he gets covered in gasoline and then cobra says you have the right to remain silent and then takes the match out of his mouth lights it and drops it and sets them on fire yeah that guy didn't get a trial he did not he did not get yeah so that like, was the, just the, murdering I, someone I, you know i, I literally I, burning someone alive yeah like the the lead axe guy really has underestimated cobra's commitment to yeah. law and order or you know our sort of yeah i mean if this thing was a really ideologically committed project it would show cobra realizing over the course of the film that you have to violate the law and ignore norms and in order to get justice but in this movie because it was written by a child 
is just he's like that from the beginning. And so it's just an expression of the power fantasy. He's not trying to like uh, be uh, necessarily didactic. With the story, so uh, they they have a little a little knife fight, which uh, <clears throat> concludes with um, Cobra sort of lifting the axe guy onto a giant fucking hook <laughs> that is sort of like you know periodically moving back and forth. You know, as, as you know, factories are dangerous places. Always wear safety goggles and a helmet, construction helmet for if sure, you're going in sure. there. Um, hard hat. Sorry, I should say. He sticks his ass on a fucking hook. And then just pushes him into a blast furnace, <laughs> which is like it's, it was. It's very quality ownage. It's re, it's just like well, especially since it does appear as though the the factory they're in is just designed to do that <laughs> because the because there's a big hook on a chain that's going on a track, and then it leads between in this big big iron ring with flame shooting into the middle so the only purpose this could serve is to burn what is ever on that hook so i don't know what else it's for i think it's for like that sort of chinese style barbecue like the char siu yeah sort of style like roast pork fucking good god damn that's what that guy probably tasted like Mm. when he got done how how ironic that he called sylvester stallone a pig yeah he's the long pig he ended up that guy ended up in a pang's eye video as this One of those so, weird joints of meat he's eating. Um, so, yeah. Uh, someone walks out of the factory. He's like, I've clocked off my shift at the, uh, the, the, the body-burning facility. The literal murder factory. <laughs> the I work murder at. factory. Uh, and then, like, he gets out, saves the girl. The, the police have come to the scene. Uh, his uncle is okay. His uncle was shot during the shootout, but he's okay. It's okay. He bounced being, off of a giant pack of Twizzlers. No, and he's like being put in the back of a, uh, an ambulance, and then he's like, you know, Cobra's like, oh, can I get you anything? And he's like, well, there is one thing. And he's like, oh, what's that? And he goes, I'd like some gummy bears. Yep. And they're like, dude, like you've just been shot in the stomach. <laughs> if you ever eat another piece of candy again, you'll probably die. <laughs> then, then Stallone shoots that doctor in the head. He's like, my uncle can have candy. <laughs> That's Cobra 2. Cobra 2 is about Cobra becoming a doctor and like uh, not allowing the rules affect how he treats people. It's sort of a right-wing Patch Adams. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I say you have cancer, you have cancer. I'm part of the zombie OR, the bottom line. All the cases they can't solve, they put to me. And he just does surgery on, like, whoever, for whatever reason. <laughs> right, yeah, right-wing Patch Adams is uh, <laughs> just telling, like, you know, uh, bald cancer children that, like, they don't need health insurance or anything like that. They just need a positive attitude. Yeah. They need to buck up. Yeah. You fucking would, laugh a little bit. Yeah. Baby. You, you're passing out from the stress of chemo, and you just come to, and there's an uncle just <laughs> guzzling pixie sticks and his imbecilic nephew like moving the arms around an anatomy skeleton and going whoa be crazy i one of these guys wonder who he was i feel like hey you see this it's inside you too <laughs> hey you should say hi to him you're gonna be him someday <laughs> this is what you're gonna look like in the ground kid <laughs> uh, and then finally you know right before he uh rides into the sunset with his beautiful danish model now um sort of like uncle wife uncle wife yeah 
his uncle was. That's my that that's my favorite class at the learning accent. Accent, learning accent, learning annex. British accent is obviously learning accent. No, a lot of times it's like when you get like a a a dog and there's already a cat in the house. It's like sometimes if you like bring a wife into the household, it can upset an uncle that you had for a long time. (laughs) But if they know each other from the beginning, it's fine. They get along great. Like you, it can be really problematic if your uncle and wife (laughs) there's friction. (laughs) You're like you can go to uncle wife classes, but they're very intensive. So I got my uncle and my wife at the same time. <laughs> they fall asleep. Sometimes like the wife falls asleep in the uncle bed on the floor and it's really cute. I, I had to return my wife. Couldn't get along with the uncle. Yeah, and it's like sorry, I've had the uncle for way longer. Yeah, it's just it just wasn't a fit, you know? Like, when you, when your wife gets into the uncle candy, you have to hit her on the snout with a newspaper and go, yeah. No, no, no for uncle. Drop it. The uncle Drop candy it. The uncle can- <laughs> the, the uncle candy could kill you. <laughs> There's stuff my, in there only uncles can digest. My uncle my wife got into my uncle's candy supply and her heart exploded. <laughs> <laughs> we had to take my wife to the hospital to get her stomach pump because she tried my uncle's Tootsie Pops. <laughs> oh, God. I hope I'm thinking about this at TSA and just get fucking shot dead. Yeah. <laughs> These are my last thoughts. No, seriously, uh, if you guys don't enjoy this Christmas present, we're not having Christmas yeah, fuck next you. year. Fuck, fuck you. you. No guys. Christmas. I hope your uncle and wife get sick. <laughs> no, so, <laughs> so finally, finally, the, the denouement of the movie, the, the, you know, the, real, the real climax is um, Andrew Robinson, uh, the cuck cop, shows up like, you know, after the fact. After there's, of course. After there's literally been a war. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> probably, yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. probably killed like 60 people. Yeah. Easily. Conservative. Oh, yeah. Like, and uh, he goes, uh, good job, Cabretti. I, I, of course, would have found a more subtle solution, but, you know, what, yeah, whatever the you subtle want. solution to 100 people on motorcycles trying to murder you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have uh, tried to negotiate. No hard feelings, though. And Stallone just sort of looks at him. Goes for the handshake, shakes his hand, and then just cold cocks him dead in the jaw. Classic move. And then goes, yeah, no hard feelings. Yeah. Owns him, drives off into the sunset on a motorcycle, and we hear the final final cocaine song of this film, which is just about it, it is like the most bootleg Bruce Springsteen song ever ever written. This is like this this is like the the absolute worst knockoff of a boss song. And it goes like this. You better wake up, little Johnny. You better wake up soon. The time the time has come for us real soon. Time is on the move. It's going much too fast. Turn the radio on. And then the, turn the radio fire. on is the chorus. Fire. And then they go, fire. Uh, they're fighting in the jungles. They're fighting in the streets. Okay, and then they? it's just like... He's fighting? Yeah, the, the, they're fighting in the jungles. They're fighting in the streets. They're working in factories, eating sandwiches of deli meat. <laughs> I, I just made up that last lyric. I remember they're fighting in the jungle. Hot fire. Fighting in the streets. And then it's like, turn the radio on. Come on, Johnny. Turn the radio on. That's where music comes from, Johnny. It's the radio <laughs> we're, we're listening to uh, with me and you. And that credits roll. Mm-hmm. And that is your Christmas Cobra. Cobra. Fire. Fire. Yeah, if you want to understand uh, Bolsonarismo, that's that it. is it. It's all there. Shout out <laughs> Uncle, to our Uncle Magic. Shout out to our one fan that I know 
in Brazil. Yeah, enjoy. Brazilians, Brazilians love the computer. I'm sure we got one. <laughs> they do be on that computer. So, uh, Merry Christmas to all all you Chapo heads out there. Please, please give your uncle a big hug. Yeah, yeah. Real, all right, tell him how much he means to you. Watch out, like. Depending on what breed your uncle is, the tree, the furs of the tree can be poisonous to him. So, like, make sure he doesn't eat it or drink the water. Larger uncles can handle it. Like, it's not ideal. But, like, if you've got a small breed uncle, definitely don't let him get into that. And if uh, if you meet an uncle that's, like, a little hostile or something, remember, it's not the uncle's fault. It's the, it's the nephew's fault. <laughs> there are no bad uncles, only no bad, bad nephews. Uncles, only bad nephews. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and please, please adopt, don't shop for yeah. uncles. Yeah, no, no. Please do not get your uncle from an uncle breeder. Yeah. I know you think you may like it. I know you think your uncle may have killed Bag- Almor al-Baghdadi, but you don't want a military-style uncle. They're, they're, not, they're not for like household use. Did you hear there's a new bill allowing veterans to adopt the uncles that they use in war, though? <laughs> That's nice. that's beautiful. Thank you, yeah. President Trump. <laughs> <laughs> no, and seriously though, uh, Merry Christmas and just like Happy New Year, and just like thank you to our President Donald Trump. Yeah, of course, as always. Yeah, the job's back and we'll always be thankful. To him yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you are having Christmas this year, thank God. If you're having Christmas in English, thank Donald Trump. <laughs> we love you, Number Forty Five. Yeah, you're a king. Okay, Just Pam. thank thank you thank you Jared thank you Ivanka special thank you to Jared. thank you Don Junior thank you Eric thank you Baron thank you Melania our most beautiful first lady yes of all yes time. thank you Ivanka she's gorgeous she's gorgeous absolute queen she's a Ivanka. vision so hot and elegant she's elegant, elegant yeah. classy oh my god just it's wonderful a world class woman. Just what what a woman. Yeah. Spectacular. Um, what a woman. Melania, hold on to your vision. Oh, rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. oh, Be best, oh. Melania. Rest in peace, Fred Trump. Let's get that, that yeah. out there for a second. Let's get that out going. But we know you're looking down from heaven. Absolutely. With your weird skeletor head. <laughs> yeah. And just, once again, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Rest in peace to all the uncles who are up there. Yes. All yes. the uncles who fought for our freedom. You know, it's sad. Like, the Trump children did lose a dynamic uncle. And because Trump's brother did die from alcoholism. That's true. They never got to do magic with him, really. That's sad. Yeah. That's I never true. met the uncle. Yeah. So, like, that pain you see in Don Jr.'s eyes, you laugh at him. You think it's just because he's an imbecile. No, it's actually because he doesn't get to do magic with his uncle. Yeah. He has none. Yeah. All my, fr- all my uncles are dead. Push me to the edge. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, everybody.
Show me the 